Welcome to the Entertainment Engine. Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Entertainment Engine. My name is Peter Moore. And I'm Bex Gregory. And just to recap, the idea behind this podcast is to provide clarity and information on the entertainment business for new bands and artists entering the industry as well as existing creative people as well, who are looking to maybe brush up on some of their knowledge. We're really passionate about the entertainment industry and we're really excited to share our knowledge and experience with you all. In our weekly podcast show, we'll be bringing an in-depth area of the entertainment industry and this week we'll be looking at licensing options in the music business. And in the coming weeks, we've got some really great guests coming onto the show, so make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Okay, so now it's over to Pete. Welcome to the Entertainment Engine. Hope everybody's keeping well and had a positive week. Looks like that the world is starting to open up a little bit, so that's that's good news for everybody. This week's podcast is about licensing options in the music business. Do they really exist? And this is one of my sort of favourite areas of the music business, really. Over the years, probably the last sort of 10 maybe 12 years I've sort of immersed myself into this area and it's a really quite fascinating and interesting area to sort of you know immerse yourself as an artist as a band or even if you wanted to become you know looking into be a music supervisor or a music consultant it's a really quite fascinating industry really I suppose over the past several years the world of licensing music has really changed on a on a day-to-day basis really so whether you're on route as an established music publishing company or you start your own you really want to get as many licenses for your music as you possibly can to obviously make a profit now that's obviously that's the whole idea licensing your music means that you or the music publisher allow someone to use your product that you own but you do not transfer that ownership so these deals are created from license your music which ironically is called publishing and I think these next few points we're going to go through hopefully just open up people's eyes and look at how licensing really works and what to look for and what what you can do, what you can't do. So the first area we're going to look at is public performance royalties. So public performance royalties are tied in to your songs being played in a public place such as venues, doing live concerts or even played by DJ on the radio. Internet radio will be included in that as well. Television and public events. Now with your ownership of the copyright you have the exclusive rights to perform your song in public. Technically no one can play your song in public unless you allow it and of course you get paid for it as well. Performing rights organisations like American Society Composers, Authors and Publishers which is ASCAP, Society of European Stage Authors and Composers which is CSAC, and Broadcast Music Incorporated, BMI, track and collect all these royalties. There are only three in the United States and they can help you, as the copyright holder, track what's being played. How often, where, what territory, and really help you get paid for it. The Collection Society in the UK is PRS for Music, which is the leading society in this country bringing together two collection societies. The first is the Mechanical Copyright Protection Society and the second is the Performing Rights Society. So just some sort of like really interesting points and information there and obviously when you get onto Google just Google these these societies and um, you know you'll get a whole load more information on their websites and it just it, it will open your eyes up to the licensing world. 
Next point, mechanical rights and licenses. Mechanical royalties, as are often called, come from the reproduction of your music. In other words, it's somebody else covering your song. So based in the States, you've got the Harry Fox Agency. They're the most recognised organisation that helps you or your music publisher in the mechanical collections, as well as connecting people that you want to cover your material with your publisher, or actually you strike a deal um, to allow for it to happen. The Harry Fox Agency's released online mechanical tool called Songfile to help artists connect with copyright owners so they can strike a mechanical license agreement for covers. Now the next point, digital rights and licenses. This is where the copyright holders and publishers are supposed to receive money from the plays in digital formats including limited use or protected downloads and streaming as well as subscription sites. And really, if I'm completely honest about it, the digital area has become a bit of a mess. I remember sitting in meetings a long, long time ago where the digital arena was coming and record companies were still burying their head because they thought physical product was still the way to go. Um, and now we're in the, you know, the area of the digital arena and it still really is a bit of a mess and a difficult place to navigate, really. But you've got the digital companies like Spotify and Pandora and many other streaming apps and sites that really aren't paying that much for musicians and labels are really been waving red flags for a long long time so again it's expecting some profit no profit i think from what i'm seeing over the past sort of i suppose several years really is that streaming is the way to go and, and more and more physical copies are, are being made redundant really um i know vinyl is sort of making its way back but i think as a new artist and even as an established artist you've really got to keep your sort of eye on the ball with the, with the digital space because Spotify are controlling this space and you've got the likes of Apple and all the other big streaming um, sites it's it's really squeezing the artists as much as they possibly can which again it's it, it's it, sometimes difficult to understand and difficult to get your head around but I think the, the more information and knowledge you have then you've got a more informed decision you can make about what's going on in the industry that's all for part one and now I'm going to pass over to Bex because I believe she's got another great facts of the day for us. Facts of the day. Hi everyone, yeah, I've got some really good music facts for this week. This first one that I wanted to share with you is about a song called I Write the Songs which was made famous by Barry Manilow. But ironically, he didn't actually write the song. The song was written by Bruce Johnston in 1975, who was the American singer-songwriter and record producer best known as member of the Beach Boys. The original version was recorded by Captain and the Tennille on their 1975th album, Love Will Keep Us Together. The first release as a single was led by the teen idol David Cassidy in his album in 1975, The Higher They Climb. Then later in that same year, Barry Manilow released his version on his album Trying to Get the Feeling, and it reached the top of the music billboard chart in early 1976. So I hope you all really enjoyed that one. I know I did because I found it so interesting that Barry Manilow didn't actually write I Write the Songs. Anyway, I'll be back to you a little bit later on with another music fact. So now I'll just hand you back to Pete. 
welcome back to the second part the entertainment engine and i'm glad that you're all still staying with us and just like to say that we really appreciate you all taking the time to listen to this podcast and hopefully we're um sort of imparting with some of our knowledge and information that's out there to help people continue on their creative journey so let's delve into print rights and licenses this is a, a little bit more of a different type of area, but one that still needs to be covered, I think, by whether you're an established or, or new artist, really. So print rights licenses cover music that really you compose or own the copyright that's really made into sheet music. So when you go into a record store um, or you're looking to buy a musical instrument, next time you're in there, just go to sort of the area where it's got all the sheet music and have a look. And it's, it's a real valuable area because a lot of people still, you know, I'm as guilty as an ex-person, but I still like to go and look at a book and, and see what's in a book and instead of pulling stuff off from youtube or looking at the transcribed information there you know it's always good to see what what's out there and i think next time you're in a, um, a store like that go and have a look at the sheet music because you know you might pick up some valuable tips and again some ideas about how you want to put yours out so this sort of air license works it's to sale or agreed terms of an amount of money for really for a specific number of prints that can be made here really and as, as I said earlier, it's not a real common revenue stream for independent artists because most musicians are finding that music online and, as I said, transcribed online, really. But I wouldn't ignore it, and, and it's good recognition for you as well, and it's, it's certainly a valuable income stream to look at forward um, in the future, really, because you never know where it's going to go. And, um, again, I think it's an interesting one to, um, to look at. And now really coming on to one that I've immersed in in the last sort of several years with our team really and it's the synchronization uh, rights and licenses really and you can spend years in this whole area really with the licensing and sort of absorb yourself and learn an awful lot day by day the lingo really is sync licensing you'll hear a lot of people say oh it's a sync license and what does that actually what does synchronization actually mean well it's basically your music is synced up with images or visuals such as television shows movies commercials and really even a corporate video payments for this amount of type of use can vary widely um, depending on what the use is for so if it's for a movie it will, it will have one fee and if it's just for a small ident on a on an internet channel it'd be another fee but to give you some idea some people have seen royalty checks as low as you know a few dollars for their music being inserted into a really low level tv show cable show and where others have been paid you know thousands of dollars to actually have their music placed in a film tv show or you know um even on the internet these types of deals come through connecting with music supervisors so it's ideal to pick up you know and build relationships with these people because they are responsible for placing your music and other artists music into shows movies advertisements for commercials so it's really 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 important area for you to sort of consider and really immerse yourself into as an artist and allowing certain music for free when i say free sort of gratis it can open doors for a lot of connections for you i'd still try and stay away from as free if you can but depending what the opportunity is you may get an eye and our supervisor says look you know we'd like to use this piece of music but you've got a back-end um, royalty deal which could be really beneficial to you and the band I just think you've got to weigh those options up and as long as you're not being taken for a ride or being abused with your music then just really consider that sort of fact really but and it's also making music supervisors aware of what you're doing and you know they are the sort of gatekeepers then and they're the new ripple company really 
Music supervisors, music consultants, they are the new record company and they're constantly looking out for new music. So there's no reason why you can't put yourself and your band into the shop window and you know make a nice nuisance of yourself and talk to them and keep them updated. So it's a really good way to go. And whether you're running your own music publishing company or through a music publisher, don't get greedy. You know, look at the opportunities, look at how you're going to build up working with a music supervisor or several of them. Just look at the long-term opportunities. And that's what I sort of really stated in a few of the podcasts we've done so far. It's a long-term game, whether you're running a label, whether you're, you know, working with a manager or an agent. Again, this is, this is long-term. Don't expect to do your first album and you're suddenly going to get the big blockbuster movie. It, it, there's a slim chance that's going to happen, but I think you've got to look at the, the, the sort of bigger picture with this. And there are lots of shows, commercial movies that need music. So if you look at what's happened in the moment with the world with COVID, I think it's a great opportunity for new bands and even established bands to actually really reconnect with what they're doing and actually take time to submit their music. Why would that piece of music fit for that show? And I think people are consuming so much now across all so many platforms that it really is a great time that you know that you could your music could be the next show um that's coming through you know cbs it could be coming through the bbc coming through itv you don't know and the more you're accessible with your music and the more people that actually are aware of what you're doing music consultants and supervisors then i think i think the better i really do think the better most larger labels take ownership of the sound recording so getting clearance through the copyright owner or the person who wrote the song is really not enough so if you're thinking of using a sample or a snippet of your song um, you really need to get all the clearance possible you really don't want to get into problems down the line even with the band you're working with you could have written the song but the drummer may have had a position in writing the song as well the basis so even in that situation just make sure you've all got the clearance rights and you're happy to do what you wish with the songs you don't want any any of the band coming back at you and it's the same with with third parties and make sure that everything's done done well so it leads me on to the legal side really if you're looking at samples as well you need to go through the person who owns the sound recording as well as the copyright owner and most larger labels will take ownership of the sound recording so getting clearance through the copyright owner or the person who wrote the song is not enough if you're thinking of using a sample or a snippet of your song you just have to really make sure that this is really sort of tied away and you've covered every single nut and bolt in that area because it's, it's not three months down the line it's five ten years down the line that something can really come and bite you on the backside so just making sure you're, you're doing your due diligence really and you've got all your paperwork in place and when it comes to profits from samples this amount really does vary as well so you need to be mindful of what sort of income this can bring in some giveaway samples for free and using from a marketing perspective to the point to the back to the original song really or others work off of flat fee or cut out the mechanical royalty as far as using other people's samples though i would really try and avoid it it just becomes really 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 difficult and just another little story from me this came to light several years ago and i was working with a company and there was a club being launched in southern england and the guys uh, you know, it was a really good night, and what they decided to do was to actually put out their own compilation album. So they record the night, um, and there was two, three, four thousand people in the club, uh, which was really, really busy. And they sort of recorded every single artist that came through and decided to put out a compilation. And to be fair, the compilation albums were really, really good. But they forgot one thing: 
And that one thing was actually clearing all the music from all the labels. And all the music they used were all from major labels. And what happened down the line is that the labels got wind of they never cleared any of these rights. And what happened? They just shut the club down, shut the owners down and basically effectively sued them. So it's just something to be mindful of. And I'm not suggesting anyone's going to go down that road. But these things do happen. And sometimes it can be, you know, just it's just a silly mistake. But again, make sure all your paperwork's in place, really. And if you are looking at doing a publishing deal, then potentially 50% of your publishing is already going to go to the music publisher. So if you have a deal with the percentages from investors as well, so you've got some investors on board, um, at the bank, for example, you may have got some debt within what you're doing, you know, then the cake is really getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So whoever you owe money to the song, you've got to try and make most of every song that you do. So really, I suppose what I'm saying is try not to use samples. Make the music 100% yours or the band so you exactly know where you're going. So you don't have to slice off any more of the pie um, and pay any more other people because it just becomes... You know, you won't see much money from it, really, and it just starts to become difficult. And especially when you start to get more and more money coming in the door, you know, you've got to carve up that cake again. So whatever suits you as a band or you as an individual artist at that time, you've just got to weigh up your options and look at what's actually going to be best for you. And again, don't, what I was saying earlier about the, the club that launched the um, their album, don't steal samples and don't try and hide them. And, and don't think you'll get away with it because you won't. It's... You may just use a sample in this particular track and think, oh, well, that'd be okay, it won't be an issue. It will. Potentially down the line, it will be an issue. And, you know, it's the same old thing with an artist that releases a single and the label will sit on that particular track for many, many years and then the lawyer will rear its head and say, oh, actually, you know, maybe we'll go after that song now because it's made a lot of money. So, again, it comes back down to this is the music business and the emphasis is on the business. So the, the more knowledge... And information everybody has then i think it's going to make more for a, a, a more say better but a more interesting independent sector where we're arming um, the independent guys with a lot more tools and information to go and carve out your own career really and of course yeah some musicians get ripped off every day um, those who get caught can get sued for copyright infringement and that happens constantly um, and that's probably just a business in itself but just make sure you're getting everything all in you know your tick boxes and you've covered everything with your attorney and you're just doing everything you possibly can and i think you won't have any issues really and now the next point we're going to go on to is foreign rights and licenses now foreign rights and licenses pertain to using your music in another country so publishers from both yours and that foreign country enter into what's called a sub-publishing agreement to license your music outside of that country. So it could be outside of Japan, the United States or the United Kingdom. Now whether an artist in another country is covering your song in public using a sample or using your music for a movie or TV show, you need to sub-publish with a publisher in that country or territory to make it legal and for you to get paid. Regardless of starting your own publishing company, or signing with a music publishing company, make sure you're doing your due diligence and you clearly understand what's happening. And this comes down to, in one of the first podcasts we were discussing, building your team. So this comes down to talking to your manager, talking to your attorney, um, talking to other bands about what they've done, just making sure that you're covering every aspect that you possibly can do. And effectively, you're assigning your copyright to a publisher for an extended amount of time. 
So you really want to be clear on what you're doing and why you're doing this before you get into any any bother or before you suddenly you know, wake up one morning and think, oh God, what did I do with my publishing? And I think this is partly why you know, the team at the Entertainment Engine wanted to sort of bring this information to light because there's, there's so many unclear areas of the music industry and we're just trying to sort of shed a bit more light on what you can do and what you can't do. And obviously... We, you know we want everyone to be successful going through their career so just it's just really being mindful about what you're doing and find out what that publisher's done you know what have they done in that territory what songs have they actually put out how long have they been in business talk to other bands and maybe with them talk to an attorney um talk to an accountant talk to other managers you will certainly start to get feedback on um you know what these people have done and it, then you can make an informed decision you can sit down with your band you can sit down with your team and say hey no this is really cool i think we'll give this a go and Again, making sure you've got all the paperwork in place and you're all happy, then I don't really see you having having too many problems, really. And really, the last bit I just wanted to sort of finish up on this session with was just a sort of couple of statistics, really, just to sort of um, put where this area of the music industry is at this moment in time. Now, looking at streaming at the moment, and this is through the, the IFPI, and they represent the recording industry worldwide, and the statistics are actually really, really quite dramatic. So... If we're looking at streaming revenue at the moment, streaming revenue is making up half of all the global recorded music for the first time in 2019. Streaming revenue now accounts for 56.1% of the total market. Now that is absolutely staggering. And I can only see that getting you know stronger and stronger as time is going on really. And then we just covered earlier on the synchronization and synchronization revenue is up by 5.8% from 2018 so synchronization revenues from the use of music and advertising film and games saw a growth of 5.8 percent it's a slight drop but they're still maintaining their market share 2.4 percent and that's you know pretty respectable so i think in just given those couple of statistics on um, the synchronization revenue and the whole streaming revenue it's really really where the business is going and i think the more we're able to arm the independent artists moving forward then the better and i think you know bringing out some more fantastic music which is which is really really good so that's all for this session and hopefully there's a few points in that you can all go away with and, and start delving into google and doing your research and even say more established creatives maybe I've sort of rung a call with some people so that that's that's really good and now it's back over to bex for another fact of the day facts of the day so this next music fact is about michael jackson now i didn't know this fact at all but Michael wanted to play the role of Spider-Man. Now, he wanted to do this so badly that he actually attempted to buy Marvel Comics, the company that created the characters and that owns the rights to Spider-Man so that he could make this happen. And Stan Lee, Marvel's chairman up until his death in 2018, has recalled this story publicly. So it is out there in the public domain. And I just really found it interesting because I didn't actually know it. But... The comic legend said that he thought Jackson would have been a really good Spider-Man. But unfortunately, the deal didn't end up going through. And in 2009, the Walt Disney Company acquired Marvel Entertainment for 4 billion US dollars. 
So that's all for the entertainment facts for this week. And I'll be back to you a little bit later on with another question of the day. And in the meantime, I just wanted to let you all know that we are on all social media platforms. So we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And if you'd like to recommend the show to any of your friends, please make sure that you tag us into your post so that we can thank you and give you a shout out on the show for recommending. And now it's back over to Pete. Entertainment News. And now we're going to take a look at the global music news. And in the news this week, we're looking at Spotify launches video podcasting globally. So as of today, July 21st, Spotify, the music streaming company, has officially launched Creator, made video podcast globally. In recent blog posts, Spotify states the new feature will allow select creators to bring both audio and video content to Spotify, enabling them to connect more meaningfully with their listeners while expanding their viewership. At launch, video podcasts are available for The Book of Basketball 2.0, Fantasy Footballers, The Morning Toast, The Misfits Podcast and H3 Podcast, plus many more. It was also reported last month that Spotify has inked a multi-year podcast deal with Warner Brothers and its subsidiary, DC Entertainment, home, of course, the iconic book franchises for Batman, Wonder Woman, and, of course, Superman. In addition to this, on June 17th, the Wall Street Journal broke the news that Spotify signed an exclusive podcast deal with Kim Kardashian West. Both of these deals follows the news that the hugely popular podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience, will launch exclusively on Spotify with a multi-year licensing deal on September 1st, 2020. Now, Spotify's increasingly aggressive podcasting strategy includes paying a whopping $250 million for Bill Simmons' founded sports media outlet, The Ringer. Spotify have also spent $375 million in cash on buying podcast companies. These include New York-based Anchor FM Incorporated, an online platform which enables users to both create and distribute podcast content. Spotify bought back in February for a total consideration of 154 million US dollars. Next came the podcast producer Gimlet Media. Spotify acquired the firm for a total consideration of 195 million US dollars, seeing the podcast arena really starting to take on a different shape over the coming months, but certainly a very exciting medium to develop your media presence very interesting. And now we move on to the global movie news. Now with what's happening around the world with COVID-19 and people obviously can't attend to watch their favourite theatrical release at cinema, this is still not Netflix. They're still continuing to open their wallet and throw money around to entice big names and film packages that have been the target of bidding wars recently. The company's latest trophy is Leave the World Behind, which will star Julia Roberts and Denzel Washington. The story follows a couple called Amanda and Clay whose aspirational vacation with their teenage children is interrupted by the arrival of a middle-aged couple who own a holiday home and have fled an unprecedented blackout in the city. When the internet, television, radio stops working, as does the landline, they have no way of finding out what's happening. As a strange sonic booms shatters the peace of the countryside and animals start to migrate in strange ways, the physical and mental health of the families begin to disseminate. 
The actors have been looking to work together ever since the 1993 film The Pelican Brief. Not sure when shooting will start, this is anyone's guess of course, but you know Netflix, they will want to get moving as feasible as possible. And now, over to Bex for this week's question of the day. So for this week's question of the day, which airport did Freddie Mercury work in before he joined Queen in 1970? So if anyone thinks they know the answer, please drop us a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash entertainment engine or you can email us via podcast at seamlessentertainment.co.uk for a chance to have a shout out on one of our shows. And just to recap onto last week's question, which was which artist was awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature in 2016? And the answer is Bob Dylan. And I just want to thank everybody who sent in their answers to last week's question. And just a quick shout out to Barry from Leeds, who got the answer correct. So a big well done to Barry for that one. Since we've launched the Entertainment Engine, we've had some fantastic support. So I just want to thank everybody to all our listeners. We really do appreciate it. We've had some lovely messages as well this week. So we want to actually feature Ray Ray Star all the way from Canada. Here's a little message that he left for us. Hey, this is Ray Ray Star of Two Car Train out of Vancouver, Canada. Really, I'm digging the info you guys have been sharing. Uh, I've been in the business a long time and I can honestly say I'm learning things I didn't know. Heck, I would have killed for this info when I was first starting out. Keep up the good work, guys. If you're in the music business, you need to be listening to the entertainment engine. I know I am. Well, that's all for today's episode of The Entertainment Engine, and thanks for listening. Join us again next week when we have our first special guest on the show, Lara Harmony. She is an internationally published creative director and fashion stylist based in the UK. Lara's work has been featured in various glossy magazines, including Marie Claire, and works with global high-end designer brands such as Dolce & Gabbana, Burberry and Hugo Boss, to name just a few. Lara will be joining Bex for a chat next week, so make sure you subscribe to never miss an episode. Plus, we will have all the latest news and updates from the music and film sectors with the majors and the indies. And we'll also have more facts of the day and another question of the day for our listeners. So it would be great to have your feedback on the show. We would really, really love that. So you can always drop us a message at any time. That would be really cool. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast on anchor.fm forward slash entertainment engine. Stay safe and thanks for listening. The Entertainment Engine.